Hey team, welcome to the off season. The off season is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have and should seek assistance from their trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. Hey guys, this is episode five of the off season. Today I'm sitting down with TJ Grant. Uh, He's a UFC fighter and we get a lot into what the UFC was like, um, the UFC Performance Institute and how amazing they were to their athletes. Um, We talk a lot about TJ's concussion and kind of where he's going next. So I hope you enjoy this one. Teach, welcome to the off season. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, thanks yeah. for coming out. My pleasure. Um, so I <laughs> Wikipedia'd you a bit before yeah. you got here. I feel like we, um, I don't know, we talk in passing all of the time and I get to say hey and what's up, but I don't really know much about you. Yeah. And then I read you grew up in Cole Harbor. I did, yeah. And I grew up in Cole Harbor. Whereabouts? Uh, well, I went to like Colby Village Elementary School and okay. I lived on Beck's Way. And oh, yeah. Yeah, where were you? Uh, well, I went to Robert Kemp Turner. I lived on Circassian Drive. <laughs> so specific. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. What was like growing up in Cole Harbor? You know what? It, it was, uh, I feel like it's kind of unlike anywhere else, just in the sense, you know, it's, as kids now, it's a little different, but we had the paths. We were running the paths all the time and playing outside and doing our thing and getting into trouble. Yeah, of course. That's <laughs> yeah. what we do, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you got into MMA pretty quickly, hey? Yeah. So, um my uh well kind of a backstory is my brother randy used to box and he uh he boxed for years and um one night he i think he got like choked out or something like that by a guy that he was probably a better boxer then but the guy knew a a little bit of grappling or whatever so he got into brazilian jiu-jitsu as well and this is back when you know there was like a couple of guys in the city training and you know he, he brought me there when i was like 15 years old and I was always like just this huge fan of pro wrestling mm. and Hulk Hogan or <laughs> more so like Bret Hart and Stone Cold, but I was wrestling with my friends. So he got me in there and, and yeah, I just fell in love with it. Awesome. Kept going with jujitsu. And then I got into all the other, uh, aspects, the wrestling and kickboxing, all that. So, and did you always kind of take that course for a sport or did you ever get into hockey, soccer, all of the, you know what? I didn't play hockey. I used to love hockey. Um, I mean, I still enjoy hockey, but I, I never really got to the past the whole skates thing. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. ball hockey for life. Yeah, of. yeah. We played street hockey a lot. I mean, that was, you know, car. Everybody move <laughs> off the street, right? But Oh, um, that's so many childhood memories. Oh, there. yeah. That was the best. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, 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 I didn't really play too many team sports. You know, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really play any sports at all. I think uh, jujitsu really gave me uh, an avenue to, and it wasn't that, I didn't like sports. I just, I don't know. I didn't have a push, I guess, maybe at home or whatever. Yeah. But uh, when I found jujitsu, that was kind of, that was the thing for me. It was a huge, uh, it put me out there. It it, <clears throat> it gave me a lot of confidence to kind of, you know, pursue, pursue that avenue. Yeah. Individual sports are huge. I feel like that's something I majorly missed out on as a kid. 
Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, I didn't play a whole lot of team sports, and I, I do enjoy the the team camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And I bet you now, if I could go back, I would have played every sport I could have possibly played. But they definitely put you out there, uh, and uh, you know, jujitsu itself is just there's just so much to it, and you just never stop learning. Yeah, and the fitness, and it just gives you you know a whole sense of confidence that you can kind of take through your life. That's so awesome. I feel like you were ahead of the curve for a lot of people that are entering it now, hey? I was. Uh, you know, back when I started, it was 1999. Mm-hmm. So if you could imagine now people that start jiu-jitsu are learning from black belts and, like, there's so much content out there on the internet and with YouTube and all this different stuff. And when I first started, it was it was pretty much like there was, you know, two or three blue belts in the city and a blue belt back then was, like, the holy grail mm-hmm. in canada there was like you know maybe a purple belt so getting the getting into it at that age we learned a lot of stuff but not necessarily was it the be all end all stuff we had to relearn it and relearn it <laughs> yeah. and somebody a, a, a black belt would come and show something and then you just constantly relearning now i can't even really re- I, there's a few things i still do from back in the day some very basic stuff mm-hmm. but the game has just totally changed yeah so. would you say now like forgive me for my lack of knowledge on the sport but like there's a lot of black belts now do you feel like they're handed out a little bit too easy now or you know what um i i'm sure that does happen uh at this point now it's it's so hard to really tell like when i was coming up i i always like idolized you know a black belt you know and then i mean i'm a black belt now and uh it just kind of happens in time you put the time in the work not everybody is going to be the same competitive level, mm-hmm. but who's to say that that person is, doesn't have the same knowledge and competency to wear a black belt. So um, they can be, I would say, handed out easily sometimes, but you got to take into context who's getting it, uh, where they're at in their life, how competitive that person is. Are they a good teacher? Because that's also another thing that you can kind of, you know, hang your hat on too. So Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you remember your first fight? Uh, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> For Street Fight or uh, no? <laughs> uh, no, my first fight. Yeah, it was a blur. It was mm-hmm. like a it was like a crazy rush because there was the first show that they ever had in Halifax, and when they uh, announced it, it had a lot of negative publicity, but it was all good publicity because they sold that Halifax form out in like a day. Oh, I don't know how long it took, but they sold it out. I think it was holding 5,700 people wow. or something like that. So my first fight, um, I don't remember where I was on the card. I feel like I was pretty early on the card. But, uh, yeah, it was like almost like, I mean, most of my fights are pretty pretty hazy mm-hmm. for what I remember. Just be, I don't know, I'm, I'm in the zone, but, like, um, everything's numbed out. And I hardly even remember the fights. It's almost like when you brown out if you're having a few drinks or whatever (laughs) i remember bits and pieces and like sometimes smells and stuff but yeah yeah. i love the term brown out instead of blackout it's like a milder form always sunny in philadelphia yeah i love it yeah um so yeah like for your first prep for fight and all that sort of stuff like did you train for a while or did you just get thrown into it because it was kind of newer or yeah well that first fight happened 2006 so i was training for a while uh i did jujitsu started in 99 wrestle or, and then i got into high school i started wrestling so i mean like throughout my my high school years it was like you know i do jujitsu for a couple months in the summer maybe here and there and then i would i would do wrestling season and then just be a kid but 
after high school, I started taking it more seriously. Um, and kind of, I worked at King of Donair Pizza Shop. Nice. Yeah, I, so I used to work there, and I would get off at like uh, at like four, and I'd take like the, the number 10, I'd take the bus, go to the gym, and then I'd stay at the gym till like 10 o'clock at night, I'd go home, and then I'd like, you know, get an hour of sleep each way on the bus. And uh, that kind of enabled me to, to develop my, a little bit of Muay Thai and keep going with my jiu-jitsu. And when the time came that they, they sanctioned um, martial arts, my coach at the time, got me you know he said well, you, you know let's do this and uh it was definitely a little bit nerve-wracking to commit to that but uh it was you know one of the best best choices i made um and it didn't help hurt that uh i was on ei at the time <laughs> a little bit Pay, of money paying my bills to live with my moms <laughs> um i watched my first set of fights aside from on television at the fight league atlantic their first event the other day yeah how was that it was pretty cool i yeah. thought um you know the setup looked awesome it looked so legit and um for my experience as not like huge into the realm of mma i thought it was really well done and um it's just so intense like for any sport i've ever played like sure there's fighting and hockey and stuff like that but it's it's a, a little bit more of a rarity now so yeah. seeing people just go full bore on each other is wild yeah it's definitely uh it's such a raw feeling like when you get to the venue and 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 as a fan you go there and you just sit but you you hear all the there's doing the sound checks or whatever and when you go near backstage and like you get to the show you're going to your dressing room. You're there before all the fans. They're, you know, putting stuff up on the screens. They're playing, you know, playing videos of, you know, previous fights. They're, they got music going. They're doing all their sound checks. And it's like you're just like this gladiator waiting behind the curtain to, you know. Uh, be unleashed almost. But, yeah, but what really happens is, like, all the guys backstage are just sitting there just chilling, like, trying to control their nerves <laughs> and, you know not use the washroom too many times right <laughs> like yeah it's uh it's it's definitely um it's a very raw feeling and then when you do end up going and making that walk it's you know you do all this training and a lot of times you're training you're wearing like a t-shirt and you're you're already sweating because you've been training however long when you're and you're wearing protective gear and then when you go to fight even no matter how many times you try to warm up and stay warm you can't they come and get you they say okay you're up in next, we need you on deck now. Yeah. And then there's like a little bit of time, then they got to show a video. And then you're just, they're telling you to wait, wait, wait. And by that time, I, every time I fought, I, all my sweat was gone. Like it was all gone. So then you're going out, you're cold. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and you got to go and do battle. Yeah, just rock it then, yeah. hey? Um, so the more I hear about jujitsu now, there's such like a compilation of breath work and mindfulness practices that are associated with it. Was that there from the start or do you feel like that's something that was incorporated throughout the years? Um, well, I think now it's, I can only speak for myself personally. Uh, I've got a, I used to just kind of go hard all the time and like, that's kind of how I came into this situation, meeting Warren and, you know, <laughs> but... Uh, He'll fix you up each time. Yeah, and uh, when you're young, like when you're a young guy, you can just kind of, like I look back and at the stuff I used to do when I was like in my early 20s and just be like, holy crap. Like <laughs> I used to, you know, run sprints and then like go and spar. Like 
the day, like go to the track and then like have a like a protein bar and then go spar like after running 100 meter sprints mm-hmm. till I was ready to poo in my pants you know <laughs> and um it's pretty hard on the body definitely and uh and now what I find is you know been helping me I mean I'm I'm my egos uh, we all have egos like as fighters like I wouldn't have got to where I did if I didn't have a sense of pride and want to win but um knowing like when to hold them when to fold them and just like save yourself a little bit and uh as well I've I started doing hot yoga I find that's just been uh kind of a lifesaver just kind of turning my body on and you know Warren's always telling me to activate my core and my glutes and I try, <laughs> but I find when I go to yoga, I don't have to worry about it because that kind of takes care of it, right? Yeah, it just happens naturally. If you're yeah, right, right? yeah. Um, and do you find like the breath work through yoga and stuff has made a difference in your? You know, I've always been pretty calm, like when I when I compete and train. Like that's the one thing that kind of saves me. Like I I don't, I don't get me wrong. I have um, I have a mean streak, and like sometimes I I can like let my temper or my ego get in there, but at the same time being able to just focus and like if I can control myself some people need to spend extra work on that I, I've always been pretty good like I I'll be grappling with people and I'll just hear them like panting and I'm like I'm really tired but I'm not panting mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just try to contain it a little better I guess yeah definitely um do you coach athletes now at all yeah so I, I run a martial arts program uh out of uh, pro edge elite training and um yeah, I've been there for uh, just over two years. Uh, we got a you know nice little clientele there starting off. It was uh, a little bit slow, but you know it's it's building up steadily and um, it's it, it's been in increasing and uh, yeah. So that's what I'm at right now. Awesome. Um, for the time being. Yeah, that sounds good. New adventures coming down the line at some point, maybe. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's so. sweet. Um, do you find like aside from just learning the skills of jiu-jitsu and martial arts of any type um, are you incorporating kind of education for humanity and breathing and all that sort of stuff or is it mostly just the skills that they need on the mat you know currently uh, with the amount of time you know that I can kind of devote to to like you know when you got an hour and a half I can't spend too much of it talking about I try to you know give a little bit of a lesson here and there just about efficiency and and and, you know, I try to help people uh, maintain their health <laughs> yeah. because it's one thing like people want to come in and they want to do martial arts and then they want to, you know, they think like not everybody has the same. Some people need a little bit of a push, but some people need to be restrained a little bit because it's a it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. Brain cells matter. Yes, so they do. Let's uh, let's stay healthy. And uh, I've firsthand experience with that right mm-hmm. we gotta you know there's no point in going and slugging it out if you don't know how to stand properly or punch or you know and um and fitness is key too because if you're going to go out there and be exhausted and half of all your sparring rounds you're just getting you know maybe your head kicked in or whatever mm-hmm. that's not going to help you either Definitely. you need to be in shape and you need to do just enough then when when, when once you're fatigued you go a little bit more and then no need yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel um, like never trying the sport, which I will come out at some point, I promise. Yeah. Um, I had a girl in the other day and she was telling me that she took her sparring course and just even the gear up to get punched in the face for the first time. I feel like it was maybe not as big of an issue for you. But um, do you remember that? Do you remember what that was feeling like just starting out and just taking your first punch or giving your first one? Yeah. So um, 
<laughs> I got a, I got two stories. My first time sparring, maybe it wasn't my first, but one of my very first times sparring uh, was with uh, uh, two boxers from Citadel Boxing. They were both really good. Um, Jamal and Jordan, they were both like national level boxers. And they were actually pretty restrained. They were, they, they, you know, they coddled me basically. Like I was a guy similar size to them, same age, but they, you know, they could have, I never sparred before. Mm. So, but then we had this drunk guy in the corner, one of their coaches telling them to light me up. So then the coach, our coach ended up uh, almost getting into a fist fight here. Cause they, you know, we had these guys come over to spar and I was totally green. I never sparred before. And then I got this guy telling his guy to light me up and he's intoxicated at the gym on a Saturday afternoon. So <laughs> a fist fight almost broke up, broke out. All was good between me and the other guys. And, um, but yeah, that's kind of, and then the, I think it was probably the, probably the first five times I sparred, I sparred with a guy named, uh, Castillo Clayton and he's actually like a, a world champion right now. And he's, uh, from, from here. And again, he, he took it very, very easy. Him and, uh, him and Lonzo, they both, uh, Called me. They were both pretty nice, and there was there was some good, um, you know, uh, mentorship there. The the coaches were were encouraging, which was nice. But I definitely uh, it was a learning curve when you get in there and you know you're hitting a bag or you're hitting pads, then you got to try to hit somebody, and and it and it's so much is you know your footwork and timing, and when you don't know how to move your feet properly, it's it's a terrible feeling. Yeah, definitely. I was kind of watching that the other day too. Yeah. I'm just like not landing a punch and how effortful that would be and how exhausted these guys are especially in the amateur when they're not kind of fully prepared but i mean that's how you get prepared right yeah yeah that's super interesting um tell me about the ufc what was that like the ufc was uh you know i, I look back on it and it's uh I'm, I'm i'm very proud of being able to fight in the ufc uh the the show itself is is just top notch like it's you just couldn't the the people that work there are uh are incredible they're just so experienced around being around fighters that they just know what you're going through they try to provide everything um people people can knock the ufc as far as like how they pay their athletes and this and that but as far as, far as how they run a show and when just your daily interactions if you're away at a at a show if you're in the hotel you have a question you have anything you want to talk to anybody from the ufc you need anything they're just there they're on they're on the ball uh when you get to the venue the, the shows just ran so smooth. Um, and yeah, like you're in the big leagues, so it's uh, it's definitely nerve-wracking. It's surreal uh, when you get out there and, you know, you got to fight this guy that you've seen fight on TV a year or two before, and you're yeah. like, holy crap, you know. I remember when I fought a guy, uh, his name is Ricardo Almeida. I remember cheering for him when he fought in, like, Pride in Japan, like years, and, and the UFC, fought in the UFC, because he was a jiu-jitsu guy and I was a jiu-jitsu guy. And then one day I had to fight him, you know, and then, yeah, it was kind of surreal, right? Yeah, definitely. I can <laughs> attest to that. The, um, the UFC Performance Institute, I mean, they're just doing such amazing things. And I was uh, on the line with Clint Wattenberg a couple of days ago, and he, like, they're just so passionate about helping these athletes perform at their best and making sure 
um, to avoid injuries and to avoid like the internal processes of somebody's body going wrong. And um, there's so much happening, especially with kind of the weight cutting that could go wrong. So it's it's so awesome that that facility is there and those people are there to help support these athletes and elevate the research to figure, you know, what's coming down the line and how to help these athletes best. Hey. Yeah. Um, from a, <clears throat> a standpoint of a business too, I mean, it's it's in their best interest to. Uh, to keep their athletes healthy and educated because how many times, well, if you're a fan of martial arts, you know, you're looking forward to a fight, you're no, and then boom, somebody's hurt, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody misses weight because they have failed weight cut. That's how <coughs> necessary is that? Like, you know, you can avoid, you can't avoid everything. You can't avoid injuries. It's, it's contact sport. Anything can happen any day and you got to live life. Like you can't, you got to put that like in the back of your, like just throw it away. Mm-hmm. But you can be proactive like this place (laughs) yes exactly you can be proactive in uh you know maintaining your health you can be a lot more aware of how your body's recovering and uh know that you don't need to redline all the time and you have to really it's one thing i i prided myself on for the most part i i didn't really hurt any training partners um things do happen uh but you gotta be mindful of your own body you gotta keep your body your own body healthy like stay at a bad positions like if something's hurting, staying out of there and uh, taking care of your your, your training partners. Um, and as a coach, you need to know how to take care of your athletes and know when to like dial them back because they are a fighter. And if they're training to be a fighter, then they are a fighter at the core. So if somebody smacks them in the lips, guess what's going to happen? They're going to go and try to get some blood. And no matter how much, you know, you, you, you sit there and you <clears throat> say, oh, well, I'm going to I'm going to stay reserved. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. So the coach is to kind of like, you can't just say, don't hit that guy back, but you can maybe make a less round or something like that rather than let them just beat the crap out of each other. Definitely. Was um, weight cutting or nutrition a huge part of your game? Yeah. So when I fought at uh, most of my career, I fought at welterweight. I, my first fight was at 185, but I was no nowhere near 185. So I fought at welterweight. And I'm not gonna lie to you, I never had a six pack my whole life. Maybe when I was a kid, but like my whole life until my last five fights, I fought at 155. And uh, so I never had to diet. I ate good, but I ate lots. Like I ate lots. So I was never extremely um, like lean or anything like that. So once I decided that my body would fit better at the 155 category, I. Uh, I definitely started to be a lot more mindful of uh, how I ate. And once I did that first cut, I found my body, <clears throat> I was able to keep myself leaner. And uh, I learned a lot about nutrition just through that. And uh, yeah, it was definitely an op- like it was an optimal per- or, um, weight class for me, yeah. for sure. Did you have any guidance for nutrition or was it just stuff that you had researched? N- not overly. Okay. I kind of knew what was good what was not good mm-hmm. but uh no nowhere near like you know um nowhere near what what knowledge would be out there <laughs> for now hey <laughs> yeah um what was like an average day of food for you oh man um well I, I mean i eat eggs every morning um if i was getting ready for a fight i would always eat vegetables as well i'd eat some fruit uh i would i pretty much just ate whole foods mm-hmm. for the most part um my Achilles heel is bread and like bread and cheese. <laughs> I don't know if cheese is all that bad, but probably can be yeah, in excess. Yeah. But bread is 
and pasta. Your carbs. go-tos. Yeah, I like them carbs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's huge. Some of the younger athletes that are coming to me today, they're like, you know, what do I eat? What diet do I follow? How do I optimize performance? And um, in some other podcasts, we had talked about this too, but I think it's just very individualized of what works for the athlete. And I just like asking people to see, you know, a play-by-play of what they would put in their body because it's just real food, right? Yeah. And I think the intention towards that is all that matters. And you guys are burning off so many calories that it's it's not really a fear of hopefully going overboard with things, but more so how can we maximize what you're putting in your body to get output, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's definitely, uh, <clears throat> I would, uh, I'd like to, you know, find more, about, uh, find, find more out about that stuff. Yeah. You know, timing well, Come talk wise. to me anytime yeah, about it. Will, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, that's sweet. So kind of going back to the UFC for things, what was um, your career like there? And I, obviously did a little bit of research on it but in your own words kind of what was the progression of that well the progression for me was um i started off you know I, my first fight was against a guy named rio chonin he uh he actually was at the time i believe the guy who well he was the guy who submitted anderson silva who at the time was like the the king of the ufc he submitted him with a flying heel hook so that was kind of my welcoming dance to the ufc and uh you know, I <coughs> I upset him. I won in Montreal, and uh, that was uh, that was just you know I fought in Montreal before, and so I was kind of comfortable with the. It was a perfect place to have my first fight in the UFC. But um, you know, I was bad in 500. Like I'd win one, I'd lose one, I'd get some momentum, I'd lose. So now I was at the welterweight weight class where you know I'm fighting guys that are a lean 190, 200 pounds, and I'm you know 182 soft, right or so it wasn't uh, ideal for me. And then, um, so it was kind of like almost two careers. Like I, every time I fought after my first three fights was, if TJ loses this one, he's, you know. Um, but they, I think they did like me uh, because I was, um, I don't know if I was a flashy or any entertaining. I was entertaining in the sense that I would try to like get after it. And, you know, when I fought, it, people knew that, well, the UFC, you know, they felt like I, I left it all in the cage as best I could. So they, get, they gave me a couple opportunities when I wasn't sure if they would. Um, and then once I went down a, a weight class, I felt like I was really able to, you know, move these guys around and start to gain momentum. And then, you know, I won one fight, and then I won two fights, and then it was three, four, five. And then the fifth fight, I got awarded the, the UFC title shot. But unfortunately, I, you know, I got my bell rung a couple weeks later. Um, and then it never came to fruition. Never yeah. happened. It's kind of... It's the big regret, but you know what? It is what it is. Like, I, you know, I got, I know a lot more about my brain now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, I definitely, uh, some days I still like want to do it, but I just, yeah, it's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to come back to the concussion for sure. Um, and then kind of my question with all of those, whose decision was it to come down in weight class or was it a joint decision between you and your coach or? You know what? It was, um, it was something that was always talked about and uh, I had other people uh, that would, you know, take a look at me or train with me and they'd be like, man, you should go down. And I would just make an excuse like it'd be too hard or whatever. And finally, I just, I just started, uh, started like a strict diet just to get myself down, like see, see, see where I could get to. And it was like day two of the diet. I got a call from the UFC and they wanted me to fight this guy named Matt Riddle which I agreed to fight 
at welterweight. They're like, only reason I agreed is because I felt like I could beat him. And now he's actually in the WWE and he's becoming like a superstar, but he's a big guy. Mm-hmm. He's, he was a big, big welterweight in the UFC, but he broke his hand. So then <clears throat> I was supposed to fight a guy named Charlie Brenneman, who we ended up becoming friends later on. But yeah, I got sick the week of the fight. I didn't take the flight. He fought, had a humongous night. And then after that, I just said, you know what? I'm going down to 155. I don't want to put myself in a situation where I'm fighting for my career and not give myself the best shot to win. And uh, I was worried about the speed in the beginning, but that wasn't too much of a factor. Um, I, that's what I am. I was a, welt- or a lightweight fighter. Mm-hmm. Would you have any kind of advice to other fighters coming up about that, like knowing their weight class? Because I see, you know, a lot of discrepancies with some of these guys and some of the cuts that they're making are so detrimental to their body. And um, yeah, do you have any tips for people coming up? Yeah, I would say, uh, I would say fight somewhere comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I see guys, especially like, or even early on, like look, look at Chris Galadis. Like if he were to fight at 135, he would be a little bit short. He can fight at 135. But he's a true professional, and he always makes 125. It's extremely challenging, but he's, you know, he knows what he needs to do to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of guys that just they 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 run their body into the ground in order to to hit a weight class. And I would I would just recommend they uh, believe in their skills and just kind of fight where your frame is. It's not even how much you weigh. Like you got to look at somebody's frame. You know, if, if somebody's five foot nine and they're carrying a bunch of muscle and they're trying to fight at like 205 or even 185, it's probably not the best bet, right? Like shed some pounds, lean out, and uh, but, you know, some guys want to they want to fight big or they want to fight super light, and they just kill their body. Yeah, you know? yeah, and it's so detrimental, especially long-term. Like you know all about long-term consequences of things, but um, yeah, I just see these guys coming in, and, and the cuts are crazy, and they're terrifying, and, and they say like, well, I look up to TJ, I look up to Chris yeah. and all you guys, but Chris, as you'd say, Chris knows his body so well down to like the most perfect science and gets help with that. And I'm sure, you know, you did too for um, your weight class changes. So I think even just reaching out to su- to support these guys is huge too, hey? Yeah, like um, the last, you know, the last thing that every fighter has to do is shed the pounds. Mm-hmm. And back when I was uh, first starting, it was like always sauna. And they watched the Ultimate Fighter, and they seen guys, you know, going in there and cutting 18 pounds in the sauna. And it's like, well, do you even believe that? Like, you know, what happens is, is before you're about to let go of all that water, you've cut out your sodium. You've also dieted, like, for, like, a month at least of strict dieting mm-hmm. to get to a reachable weight where you can kind of get down. Then you, you know, maybe you, you get out, out the sodium of your body and then people would, you, you got to like be a lot closer than what people think, mm-hmm. right? People hear, oh, uh, they showed up at Fight Week UFC, they're 30 pounds over. No, they're not. Like I was there, I watched George St. Pierre, I watched all these guys that are big, huge for their weight classes. I watched them get on the scale the second they got to the, uh, the venue, not even the venue, sorry, the, uh, the hotel. We'd all get off a flight, they'd take us in, first thing, boom, you're getting on the scale. You're stripping down, you're getting on the scale. They gotta see where you're at. I watched all these guys that are big and they're all with a reachable weight and they're fully hydrated when they're getting on the scale. Mm-hmm. To, to Just to see at the beginning of fight week where they're at. So these guys aren't depleted then. They're maybe, they're not eating a lot, 
but their bodies are loaded with water and they're prepared to just shed so yes it does become a challenge and there's going to be you know a gut check in order to make weight sometimes it's very uncomfortable but um but just knowing that even at the highest level it's just you gotta you gotta do your due diligence with your diet your you know your cardio you gotta you gotta get the the weight down Mm -hmm. beforehand yeah and that's so key and i think as you had said a lot of these kids are looking at videos or or tv and thinking like wow like you just sweat it out and there's such a science to it like our body does not want to be dehydrated it does not want our brain does not want to be dehydrated so it will literally fight tooth and nail to keep you there right and i think the rehydration process is another massive component that a lot of people are missing out on and oh i'll just drink some gatorade after you know but like (laughs) then your brain is dehydrated and any hit to the head is so dangerous um so i think you know working with a professional is huge and not just not just the guy in the gym who's done it, but like a professional to really figure out the science for your body, right? And that, and that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's why, like, I see what you're doing with, like, uh, with Brad Sullivan and stuff, like getting, getting, you know, figuring it all out, right? Like, <clears throat> it's, uh, it is tricky. And my very last fight, I, I had an IV, but before I would just drink, like, water and Gatorade and just, you know, but really you're just putting a bunch of sugar in your body and, like, your body's been, like, trained to, work off of other things and you're just throwing a bunch of sugar in your body and and then usually it would be like 11 o'clock before I break the seal and then I'm trying to get sleep before the night of my fight and I'm up every like hour using the washroom and then three or four o'clock in the morning hits and it's like oh I'm not going back to sleep now I fight day I'm scared yeah definitely (laughs) I'm scared for my life yeah (laughs) and even if we look at the science of somebody's body too like when you're dehydrated your body's in a fight or flight response and then asking somebody to sleep then is torture yeah right? there's no way that's happening so um there's just so many things that we can do to make it a little bit more functional and then allow you to perform at your max output the next day like this sport is fascinating to me because it defies you know everything that i know about nutrition and some of that science there so i think you know the australian institute of sport and the ufc performance uh institute are trying to like make it better yeah. um and then you look at you know your past career and past athletes who have just done the rawest, craziest stuff and, and still came out on top and still are doing amazing things. So yeah, it's super interesting, but I think there's uh, you know, so much room for improvement there too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. My last, uh, my last fight, I was having trouble. I had a lot of trouble the night, the, the, the fight before sleeping. And, uh, I was just, I don't know, it was very kind of a challenging training camp. And then, um, then I got worried about the weight cut and uh, I didn't sleep for like nine hours and three days before the fight. So, and I cut to cut weight. And uh, so the next time I got my coaches, I got them their own hotel room. And so I was in the, <laughs> and uh, I got a bottle of vodka and I poured a glass, like a, like a, like a, like a, you know, short glass, but I poured like a good, like at least two fingers. <laughs> And I just drank it and listened to Johnny Cash and fell asleep. And I woke up like five hours later. And that was to me that like five hours straight sleep. Coming down the last few years of my career was like the longest amount of sleep I'd ever get in one chunk. Mm-hmm. Which is another thing like I had a really difficult time sleeping. And uh, yeah, I felt like I could kill somebody. I felt really good. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Most people like Chris Clady's like fight day. He'll, he'll sleep 10 hours. I'm like, how do you do that? Like I can't, no chance. Mm-hmm. No chance. Fight day. Whatever wakes me up, good luck. Done. 
man, like Christmas Eve, I can't even sleep. I couldn't imagine a fight the next day, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That guy just, he's, he, and he's making jokes behind, uh, you know, behind the curtain. He's, yeah, he's uh, very focused, but uh, he's easy, easy going guy to be around uh, on fight day. Yeah, he's for probably sure. comforting a little bit, hey? Yeah, he's cranky He's cranky when he's cutting weight, though. <laughs> I, can sure. imagine. I couldn't imagine anyone just being comfortable with that, hey? No. Um, all right, tell me about your concussion. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> I would attribute my concussion probably to just me needing to take time off. I fought Gray Maynard uh, May 25th, 2013. He hit me uh, with a couple of good shots. One of them, I remember my ears ringing. Whoa which was probably the only time I really remember my ears ringing. And uh, it was definitely a solid, solid shot. Like I felt it and then, but the fight was only two minutes long. I got him out of there like very shortly after. And uh, and then I, I think it was one week later, I sparred at the gym and I trained, like we were sparring and going at it. And I think it was a lot of it, just me like feeling invincible, you know? And then I was doing some grappling uh, a few days later I got uh, I got swept one time, and I put my head out like I would always do to 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 stop you know my body from being swept. Just put my head down like a tripod, boom, keep my balance. And I got kicked in the side of the head, just like uh, a, a loose limb, and I just felt like a headache. I tried to shake it off, didn't say nothing to nobody. Went home. The next day, I went and I, I was lifting weights, and then uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I gotta take a little bit of time, and then. A day later, I had to go to Winnipeg to the UFC because I was like a guest athlete. So then I had to go and do a, a sports countdown show with Joe Ferraro on Sportsnet, like concuss, like bright light. Like it was like bright lights were just killing me. Mm. Um, noise was killing me. Like I could barely even think like, and uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of the start of it. And then it just lasted. I messaged actually Warren like then he's like, yeah, you, you got to chill out get some sunglasses on and sit in a dark room i'm like well i can't right now i'm, I'm in winnipeg like i gotta <laughs> yeah so yeah it was a challenge and then it lasted a while and i think uh i had a lot of tissue work bad habits you know life postural stuff that prolonged my my recovery i think even more you know not not resetting my body properly and um postural stuff was was kind of killer but yeah, yeah it, was, it was it was definitely really scary I, my daughter was uh six weeks old at the time so yeah it's tough yeah do you want to walk through some of the symptoms that you were experiencing yeah so uh in the beginning um i didn't really have too much nausea or anything i wasn't dizzy uh i didn't lose any memory i just uh brutal headache um lights and noise it was like irritability through the roof anxiety all that um and i i did experience nausea like sometimes if like i would have a setback or i'd do something too much i had nausea uh but yeah man just freaking super irritable can't focus you know i remember I, I didn't lose any memory like i didn't even think like any of the shots were that hard it's just i think it was just too many sh in a short window yeah and uh yeah because i mean i've been hit like you know a gazillion times but I feel like, especially when you, you're getting hit, and that's something I always watch for. Like if, if I see guys sparring now and I see a good somebody take a good one, well, it's not like it's not giving up. If you just say, okay, yeah, I'm probably just gonna chill or whatever, right? And I try to instill that a little bit, but it's hard to do that with uh, with with warriors. Yeah, it is so hard to do that, and slowing down 
is unheard of with most athletes, you know? Yeah. And I think um, a lot of the research coming out now on concussion management is it's the repetitive force to the brain that is the most detrimental for long-term side effects. So um, anything, you know, within 30 days, uh, repeated hit is so dangerous. Yeah. Um, and even, I'm sure Warren's walked you through the science of a concussion before, but we also thought it was just like you get smoked in the head and your brain is bruised, but we're actually looking at the two kind of hemispheres of the brain, um, sheer force between the two, and then both sides kind of get inflamed. And then that inflammation releases this massive cascade of uh, neurotransmitters. So it's basically like this soup at the bottom of your brain, and then you get, you know, kicked or hit again, and then that soup multiplies. So you're brain is just like swimming in sludge almost um so that's that where feels accurate yeah <laughs> exactly so that's where a lot of like the neurocognitive stuff comes from and then just if people are interested too for the nausea and a lot of uh stomach issues or uh, loss of appetite and stuff we have this really um big nerve that goes from our brain to our stomach called the vagus nerve um and if that gets kind of turned on let's say or in in fight or flight mode um not a lot of blood flow is going to our digestive system so um, anything that you eat, it's really hard to digest or it's really not even, you don't even want to eat because if you're got, not getting any blood flow there, the digestive juices aren't being stimulated and uh, nothing feels good. So a lot of people always ask like the mechanism of why these things are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third stage of concussion that we're looking at a lot now, and, and I always love to mention it because it's kind of goes by the wayside often, is um, if you get hit to the head really hard, your pituitary gland is in your brain and that controls most of the hormones um, that your body produces. So what we're seeing now is like third stage concussion of um, extreme hormonal disturbances with like massive bouts of anger and um, testosterone issues. And for females, like hormonal issues in terms of their periods and stuff like that. So it's pretty crazy how intense that they could be. And and I totally get that for warriors. Like it's so hard for me to ask an athlete to slow down, but I think now we know so much about this and the long-term detriments are so detrimental (laughs) that um, I think it's pretty important to highlight it. So it's really good to hear that you're, you know, taking care of your athletes that you're working with too. Yeah. Like um, it's, it's important that sometimes people learn lessons but you don't have to learn a lesson by getting you know your head beat in yeah you know um sometimes a hard lesson is it can be the best lesson because it teaches you it ingrains uh something that you need to really know yeah for <laughs> sure. keep your hands up or don't get <laughs> cocky but uh but absolutely um i don't see the point in people getting their bells rung for no reason mm-hmm. um you know you gotta work on a lot of other things and then very uh controlled um just less sparring when it 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 definitely has it has its place it has to happen Mm -hmm. Um, but you can do a lot of things with technique and drills um that you can kind of save the uh the brain cells a little bit and then when it's go time you put put on the protective gear and you, you you go at it but you don't need to sit there and do that for 10 straight rounds with a bunch of different guys different sizes bigger than you or smaller than you that you're beating up on it should be uh, very, very controlled. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Warren um, is huge for this too, but he, he, f- he even taught me so much about like the neck component to concussions and how um, releasing that can be such a game changer. So you can probably attest to all of that info too, hey? Yeah. I've been battling like the, the neck and the lower back and, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, when I, like it, when I first went and seen Warren, it was, uh, it was in 2012 and I had a friend say like, oh, you got to go see see Warren and I, I think it was my 
what was it? It was my uh, something in my shoulder. Yeah, <laughs> Warren, he's aggressive in a good way, and uh, he wants to fix you. He's authentic. I mean, everybody here at Proactive is a, is is that's what makes this place so great. But um, I realize there's so many things that I don't have to deal with daily. If you know that I used to just deal with and accept, and uh, can take care of you. And um, so yeah, like. When, when this all happened, he's been, you know, really, because my neck gets, gets locked up. I'm very right side dominant too. So my right side, like, it's constantly just an ongoing thing. But I do find uh, I'm making a lot of progress, especially in the last year, like just with uh, feeling good. And I'm on the mats a lot. And Something's, something's happening maybe? Or you think no, you're, no, no, no. <laughs> I know. I mean, I'm just coaching and I love jujitsu. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, I, I like coaching Muay Thai. I love doing Muay Thai. I just, it's hard for me to do Muay Thai if I don't really want to get punched in the face. Totally fair. It's like I get to do something that I don't actually get to do. I can go hit pads. Yeah. That's cool. But like, I would, I would rather just slug it out. But I mean, it's fun. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Good but thing then Warren. the next day I like got to go see Warren and yeah, not good. Yeah. And uh, I got kids and they need my attention and I just got a puppy and a, yeah, irritability is a, is a real thing when you got a concussion. So, uh. The less irritable, irritable dad can be is the better. Yeah, I definitely. Would say. It's a good thing Warren is humble. He gets so many shoutouts on this podcast so far. So. Well, yeah, um, he's uh, he's he's a great dude. Definitely. Really good hair, tight pants, all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's him in, to, in a nutshell. Um, so kind of like post-career now, do you feel like, well, like fights are done for you, would you say? Would mm-hmm. you say? Yeah. Um, so what's next? What's next is um, all the plan is uh, it's coming coming together um i'm going to be opening up a martial arts gym in hrm in hopefully the next short time spring is what we're looking at cool so yeah that could be uh it's going to be grant's martial arts academy and uh yeah i'm stoked awesome you got a logo down i did get a logo uh done by um sperry design Adam McKenzie did that, and uh, yeah, waiting to unveil that bad boy, and yeah, big things are coming, big yeah. things. That's so exciting. This has probably been a culmination for a few years, hey? Yeah, it's something I always wanted to do, and um, you know, with uh, with with ProEdge, it gave me the avenue to, to do it. Um, like I said, I, I invested a lot of time in the in the sport, I invested a lot of time in coaching, and um, you know, I feel like now it's time to take that X leap of faith, and uh, I think it's going to, well, I know it's going to be successful. It's just going to be, it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. Anybody starting out in a business, but um, we've already got a following coming from Pro Edge. And uh, so I think it's going to, I think it's going to work out well. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. I hear your name all the time. Everyone coming up is, is, I don't know, idolizes you from being from Nova Scotia and, and you've made it. So they're kind of like looking towards you to say, well, it's possible, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, for the kids like all wanting to make the ufc do you have a a highlight from your experience there i've got a i got yeah i got a lot of highlights really um you know getting to get well first of all my very first fight i got to meet dan henderson we were at the we were at the airport ufc staff came picked us up they're like oh we're waiting for this guy daniel henderson like oh wow so we rode back with him and then we were talking to him and find out that he's cornering the guy I'm fighting. <laughs> so, you know, like situations like that. So you get to like kind of rub elbows with your, with your heroes, right? Like I don't have heroes now. Like it's hard for me to 
like you know I'm, I'm a grown-up I've been there like whatever but you know the, the guys that I cheered for growing up when that's when you're most influenced and um, I got to you know meet all those guys and kind of rub elbows and that's uh, that's been that's been incredible um, on top of that getting to win my first fight in UFC was huge um, geez there's lots and lots of good memories I would say maybe the one that would stand out the most would be uh, it was Christmas time 2009 I fought Kevin Burns the Joe Silva the UFC matchmaker not always the most uh, social guy but he made it clear TJ was on the chopping block after this one I was making like five thousand dollars to win five thousand dollars to show five thousand to win so like nothing so if I lost that fight, like, forget about it. Like, I was going to have to stop fighting. Like, I invested enough time. I had debt, whatever. And, uh, yeah, my, my, my dad, who passed away uh, in 2012, but he, he was there. Um, my brother was there. My wife was there. And uh, it was like, I think it was the very first fight of the night. I knocked him out in the first round. He dropped me to start the fight, and then uh, I got back up. And then I knocked him out at the very end with, like, a couple seconds left. And uh, I got, like, the... $65,000 bonus. Nice. So that was, uh, that was a huge, huge, uh, accomplishment. And I don't know, I guess the satisfaction was probably the most for that, that particular win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then finding out you won all that money and being like, holy cow, like, what am I going to do with that much money? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, uh, I wish the, the U S dollar was stronger back then. <laughs> Definitely. Cause I didn't make like hardly any money on the exchange, which now I'd make like an extra 20 grand or something can't go back right no we can't go back did you celebrate that night at all not overly just hung out with family and um yeah that's all i ever want to do after a fight for the most part right yeah definitely i I browned out a few times (laughs) (laughs) um so you have full-fledged family how old were your kids when you were in the ufc well my daughter was uh six weeks when my last fight so she was born just before my last fight and uh yeah my son is uh four so she's six he's four mm-hmm. casey and duncan and uh, yeah they mean the world to me yeah definitely was it hard to manage um like leaving the ufc starting a family i think that's a huge part that doesn't always get you know translated for athletes too of i mean as you would say you're probably not making bank and then you're trying to raise a family and you're trying to get all these things going so what was that like um <clears throat> yeah it was definitely a challenge like uh how do you go from you're at one one spot you know, I was, you know, negotiating a world title fight and I was like, you know, put 20% down on a house, which was all the cash that I had. I'm like, oh, I'm going to pay this house off fucking this year. Pardon my language. but <laughs> And uh, it didn't work out. But um, no, I, 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 you know, we, we did our thing. And uh, yeah, what can you do, right? It's um, It's definitely a little bit of a change when you're like, I want to go and train at the gym. But it's like, I got kids and I got to make money, mm-hmm. but I used to just go and train anytime because that's how I made money. So that's kind of where like the pro edge thing came in. I was like, I, I got to find a way to do this stuff and somehow make a little bit of a living at it. So more often than not, or more, more likely is it's just that I wanted to um, stay involved mm-hmm. and I felt like I could do that. And now it's time to take the next step. Yeah, definitely. Do you feel like, um, like if your kids wanted to go into UFC or MMA, would you encourage encourage that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, they're gonna. My daughter already does jujitsu. Um, getting hit in the head. I don't know. That's something I, me and my wife would have to talk about. But at 
once they're at a certain age and their brains are developed, <laughs> sure, go ahead, right on. Like my little guy, the thing is, is you gotta, you just gotta manage people. You gotta manage fighters' careers. It's it's really important. I, my my career was managed perfectly, like in the sense of like who I fought, when I fought them. Um, my coach did a great job at that. Um, who I fought, when I fought them, and uh, and not you know you're not sitting there hiding yourself, but at the same time, like a lot of things had to go perfectly in order for that to happen. But a lot of guys they get thrown to the wolves, and then you look back, and it's like their very first fight, like is against like another stud, right? So. You can't be uh, you can't be biting off more than you can chew too soon because as you know, uh, a bad loss in, in in martial arts can result in knockouts and things that can alter careers. So you want to try to keep ascending and climbing the ladder mm -hmm. and doing it smart. Doing it smart, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So I'm finishing like kind of most podcasts with um, a question or question to. Um, kind of future generations or, or a comment that you would give everyone coming out like what what would be one tip that you would give all MMA fighters coming up for um, their success well for MMA fighters I would say the most important thing is be consistent um, that doesn't mean you gotta you know redline it every day be consistent show up train develop get better if you want to be if you want to be uh the best MMA fighter possible. You can't be the best MMA fighter possible every single day. Some days you gotta, you know, just work on your uh, your striking. Take time, like get better at that. Focus on one thing. Um, if you try to put all that on your plate, it's like you're trying to learn like three or four sports all in one at the same time. It's extremely complex. Each one of them you could spend a lifetime learning it's like playing an instrument like you can spend all your time playing one you know mm -hmm. so take your time get better keep improving and just stay the course be consistent because if uh <clears throat> if you keep measuring your success against other people or whatever i know i know how many people like are i don't know how many people i've seen coming up that have been uh at that high level of the ufc and I watched them for like five years and I'm like, they still don't know how to escape like off their back. They don't know how to fight off their back or they don't know how to defend a leg kick. And it's like, you're in the UFC, you're a professional fighter. Who is allowing you to not develop? You have to develop, you have to be the best at everything. Like that's one thing I, 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 I kind of, I was open-minded because I didn't want to get beat. And that was my greatest like, inspiration is like when I'm fighting somebody like I don't want to get I don't want to lose, you know, <laughs> yeah, you want to hit me. OK, like but you got to be good at everything. You can't just rely on one thing. And sometimes that comes down to coaching, but have an open mind and uh, try to be the best you can be in, in every discipline. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like slowing down to speed up later on. Hey, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've seen guys, like I said, you know, 10 years into fighting they're still making the exact same mistakes. And I, I guess, again, a lot of that comes down to coaching, but I think that you have to be your own biggest critic. You know, um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta look and you, you can evaluate yourself better than anybody else. Cause you know, what's going on in your brain. Like I don't have the strongest, you know, uh, thoughts in my mind when I'm fighting, but like the only thing I'm still thinking about is like, it doesn't matter if I'm feeling weak or tired or like scared, like, I present a different thing for my opponent and I just keep attacking. That's, you know, 
because we all have negative thoughts and just don't let them get you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's key too. Um, and then life lesson wise, is there anything that you would kind of instill upon them? Because I know, um, you know, training like an athlete and then still trying to make money and still trying to, you know, have a family or have a life outside of that. Is there any tips that you would give for that? Yeah, I would just, uh, I'd say don't for the young guys that like, (laughs) no, I'm not going to say it. (laughs) I know so many young guys that just like, they get girlfriends. Then they show up to training once a week or twice a week. They always get an excuse. Have a girlfriend, but make jujitsu number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and especially a you know a young or a boyfriend, age. you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And I think um, that maybe that understanding is lost a little bit, like how much it takes to get to where you got, and how intentional you had to be. Like you were telling me that you were you know sparring and then running hills and all that sort of stuff. So I think some guys have it, and I think or some guys or girls have it, and some don't. But it's also like the 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 amount of work that has to go into this is insane. And I don't think everyone always sees that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was numerous times, like, just like family functions, different things, like you're, you're making sacrifices all the time, uh, you know, special occasions with friends or whatever. Um, sometimes you're just unable to do it or, you know, you got to sit there and you leave early cause you're just, you know, sipping on lemonade or something, you know, you can't really. So no, there's still a lot of sacrifices got to be made. Um, I would say, to counteract that, don't be too hard on yourself. I know some people that they live their whole life eating like they go too 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 focused, and it's just it becomes too much like work, right? But you definitely got to be focused. Got to have a little bit of fun along the way, and uh, and be consistent. <laughs> That's key, hey. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, TJ, for uh, sitting down. I know there's probably a million questions that people would have. Yeah. Um, kind of about your career are you pretty open to you know receiving questions or how would people contact you if they wanted to get in touch yeah at tj grant 316 on instagram or uh hit me up on facebook tj grant awesome guys i would definitely say like this guy is a resource he made it and he's from nova scotia which makes it you know possible for sure yeah thank you for having me yeah all right we'll talk soon yeah thanks Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. The fight world is just so fascinating to me. Um, If you want to follow along with TJ, you can find him at TJGrant316 on Instagram. And you guys kind of got a sneak peek of his new company. So that's Grant's Martial Arts on Instagram. And you can always follow me at sports.cokes.